0: You are tuning in to the Atlanta Realtors Rundown, the official podcast for the Atlanta Realtors. We're here to keep you updated with the latest trends, topics, and keep you in the know of our ever-changing Atlanta market. We hope you enjoy this episode.
1: All right. Well, welcome back to the Atlanta Realtors Rundown. Really appreciate you all joining us today. Super excited about today's episode. I'm your guest host. Matt LaMarche. And uh, really excited about this episode to talk to you all things luxury in Atlanta real estate today. My guest is Bill Rawlings, who has been in Atlanta real estate for quite some time and uh, definitely been in this space as our subject matter expert today. So really excited about this. But Bill, for those that do not know you, give us just two or three minutes real quick, your background, uh, before real estate, and real estate, and, and who's Bill Rawlings today?
0: Okay, great. Well, most people who know me know that I am a graduate <laughs> of the University of Alabama, so <laughs> passionate about winning and Roll Tide. We'll start there. I'll just get that out of the way, Matt. You know, course, everybody's wanting it. Now, after college, I started working in retail, then did some human resource consulting, and actually, that led me into real estate. The interesting story there is if you think about human resources in dealing with people, that's really what we do as mm-hmm. agents, all the time. You've got two people in your car that are going to be buying together and you've got to be able to negotiate between them and make sure they're each hearing each other. So it really takes a lot of those HR skills into effect and um, certainly conflict resolution (laughs) because you know you've been been through some of those things. But then if you combine that with the luxury retail experience that I had through Parisian, um, where we worked very it was very important how goods were merchandised, what they look like, mm. because that's obviously what made people want to buy, a.k.a. staging a home. Mm-hmm. So you put both those things together. That's how I launched into real estate into 2003.
1: I love it. So t- talk to us a little bit about your real estate career, where you started, kind of the, the progression, if you will, because I think it's, it's a little more unique than… Than most agents, yeah. honestly. So I started out in sales in 2003 with a company called
0: Jenny Pruitt Associates. Um, that company um, was absorbed into Harry Norman back in 2009, uh, for those who didn't know that. But in the interim, after leaving, well, when I was with Jenny Pruitt Associates, I was in sales for several years and then became the vice president of career development. Now, as I just mentioned, that I was in an HR role before, that's kind of how this <laughs> this opportunity with career development came into play. So, mm-hmm. my role there was working with agents to help them grow, develop their business, et cetera. Um, I ended up leaving Jenny Burton Associates to pursue an opportunity with an equity stake in a company uh, in Savannah and Hilton Head. Mm-hmm. Seemed like a great opportunity at the time, however, missed Atlanta way, way, way too much. Mm -hmm. So after a year of being there, I came back, became Senior Vice President with Harry Norman in Buckhead. Worked in that office a few years before I decided I wanted to be my own boss again. Went back into sales, but this time started with Atlanta Fine Homes, Sotheby's International Realty, um, to where 10 years ago, or 11 years ago now, I became Senior Vice President Managing Broker of our North Atlanta office. So Mm -hmm. we cover everything outside of the perimeter basically between 75 and 85 mm-hmm. loosely and i have about 160 agents now we do about 1.3 billion dollars a year in closed sales that was last year at least um, and we have the highest average sales price and, and proud to say in the luxury arena have we continue to set and break our own records um so it's it's very exciting yeah there, so
1: Well, and no shortage of experience is what I take away from.
0: (laughs) I I have had a bit of experience, you know. What's interesting about that, people assume, though, because I sell luxury real estate and represent all of these clients, that I, in fact, uh, am the millionaire, I'm the wealthy one, and, you know, newsflash, everybody, it doesn't work that way. Um, But it is, it's certainly been a nice niche to be a part of.
1: I love it. Well, I I appreciate giving our audience some context, too, because I think that, you know your answers now will mean a little bit more as well, um, not just because of your experience, but because of the way you see the market. I think you and I have had several discussions about Atlanta real estate uh, in the past, and uh, I'm super excited about this. So I, I did want to kind of give our our listeners here kind of two different contexts. The first, I really want to talk to our agents, right? Whether you're in the Atlanta real estate uh, or Atlanta Realtors Association or not, whether you're thinking about becoming a member or not what can we tell agents about luxury? Like, how does it differ from normal? What we call, and I'm using air quotes, quote unquote, normal real estate. What's the biggest Mm -hmm. difference between luxury and what we're calling normal real estate today? Nothing. (laughs)
0: It's a mindset is the only thing that is different. Transactionally, it is the same process. Mm. Um, What is different typically is the agent's nerves because of the amount of money (laughs) that is potentially at stake, both for the client and for them in terms of commission. Mm -hmm. So that's the biggest hurdle you have to get over. Mm -hmm. Because guess what? If you have a buyer who has a $3 million budget, they're no different than the buyer with the $300,000 budget. They want the house that's $400,000 or $4 million, and they can't get it. Mm-hmm. Okay, So there's nobody that doesn't have a cap on that. That's right. So everybody wants something that they can't have. Mm. So take the zero off, get it out of your <laughs> mind, and treat people the same way as you would treat them in all transactions, right. and you do perfectly fine.
1: I love that, too, because ultimately the life you know of a client could be 7, 8, 10, 20 transactions, right? Absolutely. And someone that starts off maybe in Atlanta here, Three hundred thousand could eventually be a three million dollar client. So
0: absolutely, it is. It is still the same thing, Matt. That we always talk about. It's about relationships um, and good experiences. So if you give great experiences to the person on that three hundred thousand dollar house, that may be their first purchase. Keep in mind that person may just work for somebody of influence absolutely who in conversation would refer you
1: a hundred percent. I love that. I love that. So talk to us from like the new agent perspective, a lot of new agents are enamored by the Instagram accounts and you know, the ones they follow where they see these beautiful million dollar plus homes in Atlanta. Uh, talk to the new agents just real quickly about, you know, your perspective on luxury and, and how it's maybe misconceived. Especially in this world of social media. Well, first
0: off, even when you use the word luxury, Matt, there is no definition when it comes to real estate that defines what luxury is versus what's not luxury. Mm. Because I can tell you what I would define as luxury in East Cobb is a different property than what I would define in Buckhead. Mm -hmm. Different in Alpharetta, different in Decatur. Mm -hmm. You know, there's different property styles, et cetera. It's not all price-driven um, but there certainly are different thresholds. Sure. So I like to look at luxury as being an experience that you give somebody as mm-hmm. opposed to a price point. Yeah. And if you get that out of your head, it starts to help the transaction seem a little bit more normal. And, you know, while you may make more money on that transaction, um, you have to handle it the exact same, sure. exact same way.
1: Sure. So talk to um, talk to someone that's never done a luxury transaction. Where do they start? How do they get more Attraction marketing going, How do they attract luxury clients? If they've normally represented investors or maybe first time home buyers, how do they make a shift in their business from one niche to another?
0: I'm going to answer that by telling my story well, of how sure. it happened for me. But Perfect. really, more importantly, I'm going to say that you can't just decide one day you're going to do luxury. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Right. It's not like there's a rolodex that you just <laughs> switch and say, "Okay, let's talk to these clients instead because their net wealth is X and and I want to sell with them." Mm-hmm. That that that's not it. It doesn't matter what certification you have, what education you have. It's a relationship-based business. So ironically. This is i think a fun story that people Mm -hmm. will like so back in 2004 when i was a relatively new agent there was a property on caravan that was listed at 12 million dollars this property was absolutely stunning Mm. it was on 16 acres on west conway backed up to fairfield and buckhead for those that know that area and i toured that property with several agents from my office including my mentor and sarcastically you know i'm a bit sarcastic (laughs) with humor here i said allison We could all put our money together and we still could only afford about three rooms in this house. (laughs) You know, it's crazy like that. And I said at that point, I said, at one point in my career, I wanna sell a house like this. Mm. Matt, in two thousand six I closed on that house. No kidding with a buyer. No way. And so you're gonna say, how did you get from point A to point B?
1: Yeah.
0: I was working and the market in two thousand four was and five, let's say, was very 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 crazy that's Mm -hmm. when it was moving up there was inventory shortage but not the same way as it is today (laughs) people still thought they could sell their house on their own maybe even a little bit more so (laughs) than today so i was working with another agent in the marketplace and we were actually pursuing for sale by owners for listings but we did it in a little different manner we weren't cold calling we weren't knocking on the doors we decided to send packets of information. So it was a little bit not as abrasive and harsh as the other. Mm. Well, that actually garnered a few responses. Mm. Um, surprisingly, one of those ended up being a property that was a contemporary house on Woodland Brook and that house, the buyers for that house wanted to make that house that was a contemporary, a new England colonial. (laughs) So they brought in a renovator who was going to do that project for them. So Mm. I happened to be there for the inspection again, no different than anything else. And by the way, this was $750,000 ish, Mm. give or take, Um, which was candidly lot value at that time uh, on Woodland Brook, although the owners thought they had a gem of a house. So (laughs) that's a different conversation. Um, But so when the inspector slash renovator was there, he said to me, he goes, oh my gosh, if you ever find something like this, he goes, he goes, I want to buy it. I'd be interested in doing it. So lo and behold, 60 days later, we get a call from a seller about five doors down that has a ranch home with eight foot ceilings. Mm. Well, for those of you that don't know eight foot ceilings, you cannot pop a ceiling (laughs) and add a higher ceiling height so that the useful life of that home had really passed. It had to be scraped and, and started over. So this client put this under contract but wasn't really quite sure how he was gonna finance it at that point. Mm. He ended up getting an investor to back him. That contract ended up being assigned to this investor. Mm-hmm. Because it was assigned to that investor, I then had a new client. Mm-hmm. So of course I had to go get new agreement signed yep. so that I could represent him. And upon doing mm-hmm. so and meeting, meeting this gentleman at his office in Roswell, he said to me, he goes, hey, you, drove up here from Buckhead, right? Are you familiar with XYZ property and on Harris trail, <laughs> which was, you know, six and a half million dollars. And I said, Well, absolutely I am. Well, the only reason I knew about it is because of going to see things on caravan mm-hmm. when it was there. So I did know this property. Wow. Now I can't say I knew it intimately. but sure, I knew. Sure. It. So he says, would you be able to show me that property? Now keep in mind, my average price point prior to this was $220,000 a year. <laughs> I sold condos. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now I had this buyer who wanted to go see a property that was six and a half million dollars. Yes. You'd say yes to that one yeah, too, absolutely, hundred percent. Right? So we showed that property. We put an offer on it. Things did not come together. Ended up being a uh, show house property, and ultimately, the the seller sold it for less than what our offer mm-hmm. was two years prior. Wow. Lesson learned. Sometimes Amazing. in the luxury arena, being the first to offer is not going to win the deal. Mm. Because sellers have to get a bit realistic. Yeah. They've got to lose a few deals. And so we jokingly say, you know, they like the property more than we did. <laughs> so, so they got to keep it. That led to us finding a property in 2006 um, that was the $12 million listing. Wow. We bought it. My client bought it for $9 million. Wow. It was the largest sale in 2006. Crazy. So when you ask, how did I get in the luxury <laughs> arena? Because I called on Fizbo's. From a two hundred twenty-two thousand dollar price point, I love it, and it happened. I love
1: it. I love but, that. And I love while that. I
0: always wanted it, yeah. you could not have charted a course <laughs> to make that happen. Now that has th- since led to uh, candidly billions of dollars mm-hmm. with the sales in the luxury arena, both with me and team members, et cetera. But I love that is that. that's that's how it started.
1: Well, that's what I love the most about this business, right? Whether you're in real estate, uh, luxury, you know, segment or otherwise, you just never know. You literally know, and especially yeah. when, you know, you're working maybe outside of a sphere of influence or, you know, your network, let's call it, uh, you never know where that next deal could come from. Right. Um, so, but uh, here's I love the, the Here's one of
0: the secret <laughs> things, Matt, is that, you know, the same thing that I would say to any agent, any price point is to be successful, you've got to get in the sphere of influence for that client you're representing, okay? And you become their friend mm-hmm. besides their partner. And then all of a sudden you are in the circle with other like-minded people. Uh, people. So mm-hmm. here's a silly example. But if you have a client who's into bowling, go to the bowling lanes, meet the guy there because he's going to introduce you 100%. to other people who are bowlers. And you're a trusted, you're a trusted referral at that, that point it makes yeah. a huge difference. And yeah. so it kind of starts with those simple things. It's not some huge formula. Yep. And again, training's not going to make it happen. <laughs> it is about being in the right place at the right time, but handling each and every client. Like they are a luxury client. Yeah,
1: yeah, I that love happens. that. I love it. Well, staying on the agent theme here, um, you know, why luxury? Like, why? Because again, a lot of people are looking at Instagram and social media is very prevalent in our industry, obviously, yep. um, and, and a lot more, you know, famous agents and, and celebrity agents out there more mm-hmm. than any <laughs> probably have ever been in our industry. Um, so, why luxury? Like, why? Why? Why should we as agents be even? knowledgeable about luxury? Not that we have to sell it or help our you know clients sell it or, or buy it or even invest in it, but why should we have a, a finger on the pulse, so to right. speak, as it relates to...
0: Well, first of all, it's an excellent question. I think agents should always have market knowledge of the geographic area that they serve. Mm. And just in about every geographic area you're going to serve, you're going to have properties that are on the higher end and properties on the lower end. If you're going to be a market expert, you know your market, right. period. That's how I would... Um, say that, to be honest with you. I just think that, you know, had I not been familiar with that six and a half million dollar house on Harris trail because of curiosity and going to see it myself, my path would have been dramatically different, (laughs) but it is eye candy. And that's what people like about Instagram and those kind of things. Mm -hmm. And I, in the luxury world, Instagram certainly has taken the place of caravan Mm -hmm. and those kind of things, but you can still see properties. Candidly, you can see a lot more of them now sometimes than you would before, Absolutely. but you mentioned the celebrity agents. I was recently at a session with Ryan Serhant, and you mm. may know him from oh, yeah. Million Dollar List in New York. But I thought was really interesting that Ryan said after 20 years of filming, or 20 seasons, I guess is how he phrased it, he has not gotten one piece of business directly from that show. But that show <laughs> has given him notoriety in terms of his name that mm. opens doors
1: yep. for him.
0: And there's certainly an awareness of him that has come as a result of that. And therefore that's how he has built his own, uh, new brand and company for sure now as well. So that's what happens a lot of it. Yeah. A lot of it, um, you know, on shows like that, they do get exposure, but it doesn't necessarily translate to, to actual business. I'm
1: glad you mentioned that cause I could not agree more. And now we have the tool in our pocket every day to, Right. to become whatever celebrity well, you can be want.
0: that person <laughs> that's you right. can become an influencer that's right you know
1: that's right well so with almost 20 years of experience in Atlanta real estate how has it changed like what did it look like 20 years ago what did luxury in real estate in Atlanta Georgia look like in 2003 and 2004 when you first mm-hmm. got started because I loved your story but I mean I got to believe there weren't a whole lot of nine million dollar properties changing hands and Oh four, oh five, oh six. Uh and you mentioned that was the biggest sale that year. Right. So what did it look like Well then? interestingly
0: now the largest sale ever to trade in Atlanta that's been listed was seventeen um around seventeen million dollars. Mm-hmm. Um actually there was one I take that back. It was like nineteen million. Mm-hmm. That same property then sold a couple of years later for seventeen <laughs> million. So one of the lessons I would tell you right then and there is um, When dealing with people of, uh, let me say, significant wealth, people have the resources and the money to build their own dream. Mm -hmm. They are never going to pay a premium to buy somebody else's dream, Mm. okay? So when you really get into the higher end of real estate, Mm -hmm. um, those are not always the same wonderful investment opportunities that you would talk about at the lower end those become what we call tax Mm write-offs when they sell for less than what the person has in it. Because again, the person coming in does not want it to look like that. Right. They're buying it most likely for the location Mm -hmm. uh, and to make whatever changes they want, but they will not pay a premium. Sure. They will go get a piece of dirt somewhere else and build their own (laughs) dream and save money.
1: Do you feel like Atlanta real estate as it relates to luxury has expanded beyond what used to be just, Buckhead downtown neighborhood, you know, in-town. Well, I think there's
0: an awareness that there sure. are luxury lifestyles that exist all over the metropolitan mm-hmm. area, and I don't think it's limited geographically. Now, you ask, how has it changed since, let's say, in the time that I've been in the business? Um, I would say the whole market has grown, sure. and with a sprawl that happens, you know, exponentially, things just grow, but probably in the same proportion. Mm-hmm. Um, we still have if there is any home to sell, I mean, let's say over $10 million a year, let's use that right now. We may on a good year have two properties in Mm -hmm. all of Atlanta that may sell over $10 million. Now, if we were talking down on 30 a at the beach, you know, a lot sitting on the Gulf is a $6 million lot. So everything they sell down there (laughs) is going to be 12, 13, $14 million. Mm -hmm. For us, that's not our market, even though we're a major metropolitan area. So, Mm -hmm. um, I don't want to say that there's a ceiling to it, but there is a limitation to what buyers are willing to pay here, but it's still very much location For sure. driven between five and 10 mm-hmm. million. there's definitely more properties that sell now than there would have been back in 2003. Mm-hmm. Um, but that process is still yeah. the same. Yeah. It has not really changed yeah. how we market them is definitely different. You know, if you look at drone photography, that's very big when it comes to luxury properties, Mm -hmm. definitely lifestyle video and movement Mm -hmm. back in the day, you would have a lot of still photography and then we would do virtual tours, which were extremely choppy and (laughs) make a lot of people feel motion sickness. You know, now we may potentially hire actors and have them literally do lifestyle shots, bringing Mm -hmm. in cars and, you know, truly to get the price per square foot that you have to secure in some of these Areas which are uncharted numbers here in Mm -hmm. Atlanta, you have to sell the dream. And Mm -hmm. that is with the lifestyle that comes with it. Because if you're, if you're truly trying to sell shelter, it's not at that price point.
1: Shelter doesn't cost that. It's the dream that does. (laughs) Yeah, I get it. So, and this will be the last point as far as the agents go. Um, You know, in terms of obviously over the last two years, we've seen a huge change and a huge migration. Of uh, people from significantly higher price points and markets. Uh, you know, California, the whole West Coast pretty yeah. much I feel like. Certainly, a lot of from New York as well. I was gonna say Northeast and, and yeah. that whole area, as well as the Midwest even. Right. Um, so how do you think that's changed luxury in Atlanta? Well, it has it
0: has driven up prices significantly mm-hmm. because the demand is is so much greater. Mm-hmm. What we would say here is a very high-end property at three or four million dollars is an absolute steal for somebody coming from New York or California. So we have quite a few of what I like to refer to as aspirational sellers (laughs) who will put a number on a property that I think is like a make me move number, Mm -hmm. but yet there's people in the market who will pay make me move prices to be in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. Um, Atlanta is still, you know we're the Georgia let's start that way is the number 1 state to do business in in the United States mm-hmm. so very very business friendly mm-hmm. our international airport with direct flights to everywhere is critically important to that mm-hmm. because with people working from home in many cases a lot of these folks who end up buying luxury properties are folks who really have taken the same amount of money that they were you know, their home was worth in New Jersey, but all of a sudden that becomes a mansion mm-hmm. in Alpharetta, right. for example. Uh, Buckhead's a little bit more of an even swap, but if you go out to the burbs a little bit, where you've got great public schools, mm-hmm. um, you're not having to do the private school route, which candidly most of them do in the Northeast. Most of them are parochial schools, it mm-hmm. seems like, in the, in the Northeast, but you do not have to go that route. You've got great weather with four seasons, and That person can still pop into the office once or twice, three times a month, however is needed by hopping on a, on a plane Mm -hmm. and not having to do, and by the way, that flight's what hour and a half, two hours. And their commute from New Jersey on the train was a good 90 minutes. (laughs) So it's actually not that much different. And their family can have a lifestyle that's much more conducive to, to what they want. So that's really driving things a lot. And it's still a supply and demand issue, which is what it always has Mm -hmm. been. Um, but we definitely have more product that, um, that is appealing to folks like that.
1: Sure. Sure. I love that. Awesome. So let's shift gears more towards the client side. So if a consumer's listening to this, um, and, and they're looking at luxury property, buying luxury property, or maybe even selling luxury property here in the Atlanta area, what do you feel like are the two or three things that they've got to know? Like if if you're walking into a listing appointment or into a buyer consultation with someone that's looking at that three five ten million dollar uh you know budget what two or three things is is bill telling you've got to do this you've got to think about these three things
0: let me answer two different ways i'm going to answer if it was a if it's a consumer that's listening to us on the phone first off it is absolutely imperative that you work with an experienced realtor in the market that knows the market knows the comps and knows the nuances in these properties. Mm-hmm. These are not cookie cutter properties. Right. So you cannot look just look at a property in the same neighborhood or that sold around the same price and suggest that that's a comp. Mm-hmm. That first off you'll you'll fail immediately. But in order to have the best property, I mean best price, the best deal, investing you have to have market knowledge. Mm-hmm. And so agents in that market, even though things will get listed, there's an awful lot of conversation that goes on between agents to say, hey, these folks may be willing to sell if you've got this and and this, that, and the other. It's a pretty tight network. Mm -hmm. So A, working with a professional realtor is paramount. Mm -hmm. Otherwise you will not be successful, it will be miserable. Now, for the agent who's looking to get that um, listing or that buyer, Mm -hmm. here's what is necessary. You have to have knowledge of architecture for one, you have to be able to talk the talk. You mm-hmm. have to understand the construction materials that go into a particular house, um, both from a decor standpoint as well as a construction standpoint. Mm-hmm. Know some of the things that deal with electronics and things that are in that house because if you can't speak on the same level as that buyer that's in there and if that buyer knows more about <laughs> not necessarily the property but about the things that are in the house, mm-hmm. uh, Venetian plaster walls. Let's just use that as an yep. example or a control for uh, system for all the electronics. Mm-hmm. If you are not in tune with those kind of things, you quickly will be seen as somebody who isn't, um, ready for that jump in for the marketplace. Sure. So sure. there is a lot of education that needs to be done with there. So you can talk the talk yeah. as well, but market knowledge becomes key there. So it's mm-hmm. really knowing that house that may have traded two years ago, that doesn't have any pictures in FMLS or has been completely renovated since then, and you know it need to be gutted at the time, you've got to be able to know that inside and out to talk to that new seller about it, to explain why things are priced differently or what had to be done to that house or why that buyer bought it and this, that and the other. Mm-hmm. You know, it becomes very much a small community yeah. in knowing what's going on.
1: Yeah, you're so right. And especially with technology, you mentioned like home automation and stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, just over the last five years we've gone from you know, just an Alexa to full systems that control lights and shades and (laughs) they'll open every window in the house. I mean, it's just absolute, and sound throughout the entire house as well. So it's funny you mentioned that, Matt.
0: Let me tell you a funny story. <laughs> sure, so one sure. time I was uh, showing a property that was a very, very high-end property. The seller had put $45 million into it. And <laughs> this is one of those that I can't share the address or too many details because of a confidentiality <laughs> agreement. But I will tell you, that was one of the first houses that I went into where everything was controlled by a phone and by a remote, mm-hmm. including drapes all the lights in the house, et cetera. So here's a tip for everybody who hasn't done this before. Um, don't freak out and get excited when you see things like that happen because you should have seen that all along. Right. So even though inside I'm like, oh my God, this is the <laughs> coolest thing I've ever seen. Not cool to say that in front of that of that client. You know, yeah. act like it's normal, like you see it all the time. And then when you get to your car, you know call your wife and you're like, oh my God, this house, you can't, will not believe it, you know, I kind of that. thing. Those kind of things are fun. You have to act like things are all normal and don't get overly excited. Mm-hmm. Keep a calm, level-headed approach, which is the same thing you do on all, all other properties. Yeah, yeah, don't let things phase you just because they're something you haven't seen.
1: So two last quick questions here, because I can't not talk to you about, you know, talking about uh, representing celebrities, uh, high net worth individuals, um, if someone, cause obviously I feel like these are synonymous, like luxury property in Atlanta and, and, you know, basketball stars and baseball stars and football stars that we have all three here, right? And now soccer well, <laughs> sorry, Atlanta United fans. <laughs> um, but we, we do have celebrities that live here. So talk to us a little bit about that. Maybe a little bit of your experience with them and how that correlates to luxury as well. Cause I think a lot of people are probably going to be really interested to know, you know, what does this look like? How How do you you navigate? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, uh, I'm
0: going to burst the bubble for a lot of folks (laughs) right here. Just because somebody has uh, name recognition does not mean that they have the means to purchase a property. Hmm. So (laughs) there are a lot of celebrities out there who, you know, I will again, not use names, but um, that would like to buy luxury property you would assume because of their name that they can buy anything they want to, and they cannot. Right. So the process has to be the same in terms of what are you qualified to buy? I I need to look at these resources, et cetera. But even advance of that, how that typically happens is that there is a relationship if you're on a if you're talking about a musical artist by the way that artist is not calling agents directly mm-hmm. their own personal agent is calling people mm-hmm. or their producer or somebody else that they're friends with it's yeah. somebody is calling you to talk about a property or to talk about needing help but at that point in time you have no idea who the person is yeah. so they are testing you mm-hmm. first off and one of the most important things is confidentiality mm-hmm. I'll tell you now, there's a lot of people who own property in Atlanta that nobody has any idea that they (laughs) own property in Atlanta. Sometimes the celebrity, uh, you know, in air quotes, that's living in some of these properties has never even seen the property before Mm -hmm. they purchase it outside of a FaceTime video or something like that. Because if their name is brought up or seen at any point in the transaction, you realize the negotiating is completely gone out the window so there's a lot of confidentiality throughout that process Mm -hmm. these these kind of properties are all held in trusts or llc's with very different layers of of protection most always their confidentiality agreements signed both before and uh and after the transaction Mm -hmm. sometimes people you know in the news media find out who who has purchased certain properties and guess what sometimes they're right sometimes they're wrong (laughs) But if you're under a confidentiality agreement, you can't correct you can't confirm. them. Right. So you <laughs> know, you cannot confirm or deny, right. um, you just can't say anything. But it kind of goes back to that same thing. You could have been a bartender, and here I'm giving kind of a live example here, a bartender 10 years ago, who happened to wait on somebody and build rapport with a customer who came in pretty regularly, who happened to be a financial advisor for somebody who's in the entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. That person today represents an entertainment mogul. Mm but he met the contact originally through being a bartender. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's about relationships. It's no secret sauce. It's who do you know, treating everybody right. And then doors, doors open up.
1: I love it for you. I love it. Well, I really appreciate your time. I love that answer by the way, but also the last question I have for you is, is if there's a resource, a podcast, a book, uh, a series, a certification, even, that you would recommend as a further resource for someone to go and listen to or watch or, you know, any other resource that you might, uh, you know, advise someone to look into more. And, and again, whether it's in Atlanta or not, as far as, you know, creating a luxury brand or or working with luxury clients.
0: Well, it's as if you knew that downstairs right now is a course <laughs> called certification for luxury home marketing. <laughs> I'm not sure how you knew that, but that is going on downstairs right now. Um, In order to be eligible for certification through that organization, there are certain parameters that have to be met on price points Mm -hmm. on certain sides. But taking the certification piece out of it, education and some of the little nuances that you will learn in there will help you in all aspects of your business, not just the luxury business. Mm -hmm. Um, But one of the things that was a little takeaway that I thought is that, you know, if I were to ask you, Matt, what is the number one store that a
1: luxury client shops at? what would your answer be? I mean, a multitude come to my, come to my, throw out a couple of them and I'll tell you, I think think Versace, I think Gucci, I think, you know, like ultra luxury. That's what everybody thinks. Right. The number one store that a luxury consumer shop at is Costco.
0: (laughs) That's true. That's true. And you just don't think that these are normal people who have a persona Hmm and they are acting when they are creating that persona that you're seeing on TV, on Instagram or whatever, but they're regular people when that makeup is taken off and those clothes are taken I off. Love it. But it is Costco. They got the kind of money they had because of being smart, not because of the Versace, the Gucci, and all that kind of stuff. Mm. And ironically, those that, as I mentioned earlier, those that cannot buy are probably the ones that are wearing labels head to toe mm-hmm. and flaunting it mm. as opposed to those that are not. Another little, little tidbit I'll tell you is that there's new money and there's old money <laughs> True. and true. very, very, very distinct buyer between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, the new money buyer is going to be the one that wants the flashiest house on the busiest street because they want everybody to drive by and say, wow, look at XYZ's house. Look how he's made it. Mm-hmm. The old money person is tucked back in the back of a neighborhood with gates seeing nobody with Mm. pure privacy (laughs) because they know that they have that and they have nothing to prove Mm. both are viable buyers don't get me wrong but both have to be handled completely differently because you got to appeal to the ego and you know each each client you have is different you you have to learn how to listen to each of them satisfy their needs uh, and come up with solutions to meet the problem that they have
1: love it great way to end it i really appreciate your time today absolutely my pleasure Matt. thanks
0: so much absolutely Thank you for tuning in to the Atlanta Realtors Rundown. Please subscribe and for more information on how to get engaged, check us out at atlantarealtors.com. We look forward to having you join us for the next episode.